Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor, right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken Edwards from the Midwest Coalition of Labor. To my left is Ed Maher from the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Ken. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. How are things going? It's cold, uh, but everything's going pretty good. Yeah, I missed you last week. Um, we missed you. You were out on assignment. What did you uh, What did you bring back for us? Did you learn anything in... I didn't bring back anything, actually. Um, but what I did bring back was the um, fantastic news that you and Phil, my the, the, the guy who sits in for either one of us uh, when we're gone, it was the second highest, most listened to, I don't know how you would say this in radio parlance, show that... Uh, that the workers mic has done so far when you were gone while you were out of town was the where were you for the first one were you here for that i was here for that one just okay. for the record i wouldn't uh, read too much yeah. into it then ken we're yeah. actually happy to have you back well phil will never be on again just for the record <laughs> it's good having you phil <laughs> you guys did you guys did a good job and it was really interesting um so we uh, we have a a really um cool show for you today we are going to talk about uh, a new law that was passed here in the state of illinois right 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 uh do you want to just lead off with that? Yeah, let's, let's talk about it now. Yeah, so uh, earlier this month, the uh, state House of Representatives and Senate passed the Paid Leave for All Act. Um, so what that means is, and it doesn't actually cover all workers, um, but it was the first law, and I think Illinois is the third state now that has a paid leave law for almost all workers, where as you work, you accrue paid leave or your employer has to provide it for you. So um, this was passed by both chambers on January 10th. That hasn't been signed by the governor yet, but he's expected to sign it, of course. Um, so starting January of 2024, workers for every hour they work or every 40 hours they work, they will accrue one hour of paid leave. And that's for any purpose, uh, anything, whether they're sick, whether they have a wedding out of town, whatever, it's just paid leave, um, away from work. And the employees that are not included in this are railway employees, um, part-time university workers, a real small segment of people, and then any workers that are working under a bona fide collective bargaining agreement. So, what, are, what about construction? Like, what about us in in the building trades, where you know we work, we get paid; we don't work, we don't get paid. We don't technically have paid leave. Does this give us paid leave now? It does not. Uh, for union workers that are working under a collective bargaining agreement, anybody working under a bona fide collective bargaining agreement is excluded from this because. You know, in many professions, it would conflict with existing policies and sure. existing programs. And, uh, you know, in the building trades, if you don't work, you don't get paid. Um, you know, right. a lot of trades have vacation savings where you'll, uh, for every hour you work, there will be an allocation that gets set aside and you get paid out this, you know, large sum of money every year to, to, to help pay for a vacation. But typically in the building trades, there is not paid vacation. And the wages are high enough in the building trades where, you know, you can obviously save for the times that you're not working. Typically, yeah, that's that's correct. And uh, I think it's worth noting that organized labor was instrumental in passing this. Um, it's a historic bill. Uh, it's, like I said, it's only the third state in the country that has paid leave. But organized labor was instrumental in passing this. And the group of people that are carved out from it are anyone who's working under a collective bargaining agreement. So, 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 I, so the unions are pushing this, even though not a single union member is going to benefit from it. Well, I think what 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 really this says to me is that there are a lot of folks who don't know what unions do for ordinary workers. Right. Like, I'm not a member of a union. How, what are they doing to help me? Sure. Here's an example. If you work in a job where you've never had paid leave, yeah. at the end of 2024, you're going to have a week of paid leave. You're going to have up to 40 hours of paid for leave. For anything banked, you want. For anything you want. 
Doesn't, that it doesn't was, have to be sick leave. It doesn't have to be a family medical emergency. It can be for any reason that you want. You will have up to a week's worth of paid leave from now on. Right. It's not paid sick leave. It's not paid vacation leave. It's just paid leave. Now, it's interesting. Like, so, you know, when you and I are talking about this, you know, in the union land, of course, this is something that we take for granted. Right. So in, Absolutely. you know, where I come from, uh, in the, in representing public, uh, public works guys, for example, um, you know, we had, uh, quite quite a quite a bit of paid leave paid holidays um you know paid uh sick leave paid personal days uh obviously vacation you know i once calculated the number um just to mess around with my guys a little bit and you know somebody that's been there for 20 years literally would work about nine months out of the year but get paid for 12 and that's a pretty <laughs> a pretty shocking statistic. Right. Right? So I don't know if that is, is something that we want to publicize. I think you just did. Uh, yeah, I did publicize it. Sorry. But you, we take paid leave for, for granted in, in union land because it's something that we demand. And it's something that we have demanded. And why should we take a day off um, because my kid got sick or I have to take somebody, you know, my mom to the hospital or something like that? I mean, you should have some time to yourself. Right. right. And, and it actually, a couple of years ago, um, the la- one of the big accomplishments of the labor movement, this was pre-pandemic, was um, a bill that forced, and I think it was for the city of Chicago or maybe Cook County, but it was for predictive scheduling. Right. And, you know, people were like, well, what, is, what does that mean? And if you work at, say, a restaurant or a retail shop, and you've got a family, and you have to figure out childcare for all that, it's hard to do if your schedule is different week by week, or you're, you know, you're working mornings one week, afternoons the next week. It makes it almost impossible to, uh, to have a family and a job to support that family. So, right. um, and that was another thing that, uh, you know, that it benefited a lot of people in restaurants, I remember. But it was another example of the labor movement just trying to, to bring in some basic protections for, for workers that maybe didn't have access to a collective bargaining agreement, but just trying to raise the, the standard for everybody. And once again, you know, in union land, we take things like that for granted. So let's say we're working shift work. You know, we bid those shifts based on seniority. You know, for example, if I'm the most senior person and I want to work the 3 to 11 shift, I get to work the 3 to 11 shift because I've been here for quite some time. Does that make sense? Right. And so, you know, again, something that we take for granted, but that most of the world doesn't have. And here, once again, is labor pushing for predictive scheduling so people can actually have a life, mm-hmm. right? See their kids, see their husband, well, back know, in, or wife. Or, yeah, in or November when we had the, the couple of retail workers on, we had a gentleman from Trader Joe's. And he said the biggest issue, the main reason that they were pushing for a union was because managers dictated scheduling. And there was, if the manager was having a bad day or if he thought you looked at him funny, yeah. your schedule would be all screwed up or you wouldn't have as many days. And so you couldn't even predict your what your paycheck was going to look qualify like. qualify for health insurance that month. Right. Or, you know, people play games with, with hours all the time, right? right? And some places have, you know, you have to work 32 hours a week to get benefits and they'll work you 30. Right. You know, and it's just, you know, it's terrible. So folks who have these things, I think often do take them for granted and people who don't really should have them. There's, there's no reason not to. So I think this is a, this is a big deal. And someone who joins us in that opinion that this is a big deal is the Chicago Tribune. Wait, the the Chicago Tribune, the Chicago Tribune. And while I I thought they hated labor, they used to, but things have changed. And I want to give you a really interesting example of how they've changed on this. So back in 2016, the editorial board's headline on paid leave uh, when this was put forward was say no to more business mandates, including paid sick time. So they were against it. Right. Now, three days ago, Mm -hmm. the Tribune's editorial board put out a headline that said, a week's paid leave. What took Illinois so long? <laughs> oh my God. 
So, so was there, was there a change in ownership at the same time? <laughs> yes, uh, as a matter of fact, there was. Interesting. The, 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 with the Tribune, the, the, the Tribune was bought a, by yeah. a company called Alden Capital, right. notorious for coming in and just gutting newspapers. And anybody who's making good money as a reporter was, you know, bought out or fired, or you know, now they're they're doing blogs like, uh, you know, I'm not even going to give names of some of the folks that are doing blogs from the Tribune because I wouldn't want anybody to actually read them. But um, the Tribune has turned around quite a bit. Um, but they're actually, you know, they've they've come around to the the paid leave. Um, and are they still owned by the same company? Yeah, Alden Capital. Yeah, but, but they 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 completely just flip flopped. Absolutely. And I mean, the the Tribune Guild they've actually developed a very strong union for their writers uh, because they've seen the threat of when this company came in and just started firing people. I mean, they I forget the percentage, but they just came in and fired an enormous percentage of the reporting staff. Um, and so I think the reporters who remained all of a sudden got very, very union-friendly. And I think that's why you didn't see a lot of opposition in the Tribune to things like the Workers' Rights Amendment, right. um, you know, because they, they see that uh, workers do have it. Uh, you know, I mean, and of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, right. and, and full disclosure, uh, when I started my career here in, in Chicago in labor, I used to work for the Chicago Newspaper Guild, which I think is now the News Guild, if I'm not mistaken, and, and it merged with the CWA. And, and one of the papers that we represented was the Sun-Times, but we were never, never able to get into the Chicago Tribune because they were relatively anti-union. Right. They would match the salaries of the pa- paper across the street, which was the Sun-Times, and the employees there kind of felt that like oh i don't need the union i'm doing great you know mm-hmm. i have a you know my own personal contract or they pay us the same etc cetera, etc cetera. fast forward 20 years and you know it looks like a bit of shambles like well we might need a union now and sometimes you know once again i am saying hindsight is 2020 but you might want to get a union when things are good as opposed to waiting till you know the the foxhole uh, what do they call it? The foxhole prayer, right? Where things yeah. are, things are just have gone really far south, and you're like, oh my god, you know, now we want a union. Like the Twitter employees, I wish we had a union. Well, we're going to be talking about uh, tech and, and layoffs, but right. you know, talk talk about you know waiting too long. People tend to wait too yeah. long. Like everything is fine. My employer loves me. I am indispensable. Yeah. They'll never fire me. Uh, they can never do this job with whatever whatever it is that you think. I think you're wrong quite frankly. And yeah. I think that the time to get a union is when things are actually going all right and you know the company's profitable, you know things are you're important, people are making money, you know, now's the time to get a union. Don't wait till things really really go south and then try and get a union because number 1, you're going to be you know kind of look what Starbucks is doing. You're going from like really bottom bottom up all the way to the top taking on Megacorp and you're trying to fix I don't know, 20 years of inequities and things that have gone south, and you look at the union like, hey, uh, we need to fix the past 20 years. Right. That's very difficult to do. Absolutely. And I, I think it, it bears mentioning again that um, any class of workers, any industry of workers, a union has something to offer because a collective bargaining agreement doesn't have to be about raising wages. It doesn't have to be about vacation time. One of the most important things that it has is um, – the uh, just cause for sure for absolutely where you can't be terminated for no reason i mean every industry operates differently and that's why there are unions that represent different industries like why teachers unions don't represent the police you know you leave folks who do this work who know how it uh, how it all goes to represent these workers and to include things in agreements that that are important for them and i think we're seeing now with some of the layoffs and some of this twitter fiasco that 
you know, there probably is a place for tech workers and professional workers in unions. It might not look like the contracts that uh, the construction industry has, of course. but uh, there, there is a place for and, it. And you're starting to see it, and, and we will – let's do this. Let's pick back up with um, tech workers. You're listening right now to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. He's Ed. And we are going to pick back up um, with talking about some tech workers and, and some layoffs. But before we do that, Ed... Yeah, last week we had a little segment right out the window. You can see the lake here, and our, our uh, one of our videographers... Um, who's working so hard to put this show on YouTube, which I should also mention, uh, once this broadcast is over, this show will be available where you can watch us live on YouTube if you just search for The Worker's Mic. But one of our videographers, Louis Alcade, which we lovingly know as Louie, uh, he looks out the window at the break wall on Lake Michigan and sees the wave. So he's going to give us a surf report. Louie, what's the Chicago-Lake Michigan surf report? Uh, they're pretty choppy, pretty tubular out there. All right, they're pretty choppy. So I think if you're surfing today, you're taking your life in your own hands. So that's the surf report. You only get that here on WGN. Thanks again, Louie. We'll see you next week. Back to you, Ed. <laughs> Back to you, Ed. <laughs> so, so we were talking the last segment about uh, tech workers. Yeah, um, so so tech workers, right? They, you know, like, and you said, like everybody's like oh my god my job is indispensable i'm very important i'm a gen z and i got this job at google and you know whatever i'm I'm making a killing and i have an apartment and you know blah 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 and all of a sudden now like any other company you know it comes home to roost and over the past year there have been two hundred thousand layoffs in tech right two hundred thousand right yeah i mean in some of these economic reports that are recently coming out they're saying that unemployment is low aside from the tech industry the tech industry is driving a lot of this perception that the economy is is uh, is doing bad when in reality it's not so there was a, i was reading up on this and there's a guy named uh jeffrey pfeffer i'm sure i'm going to butcher his name he's a professor at stanford uh grad school of business right obviously got to be a smart guy and he said jeff pfeffer jeff pfeffer what did jeff pfeffer say jeff pfeffer said that um, so-and-so was quoted as saying something to the effect of thinking is hard work, which is why most managers don't do it. I like it. Which I thought was funny and said that basically layoffs in this regard don't do anything for the bottom line. They don't help it. They don't hurt it. All they do is, um, you know, basically damage the people that are getting laid off and that they have an, uh, one complete concrete effect. And you know what that effect is? That layoffs literally kill people by increasing the risk that somebody will die by suicide yeah. and levering up their stress, um, not only amongst the people that have been laid off, but the people that are picking up the work of the laid off folks, that it actually reduces productivity. That's what this guy found. And I don't understand. I just This doesn't make sense to me. If you're a Google or an Amazon, and I'm not talking, by the way, about the workers in the the warehouses that are actually moving boxes and shipping things and delivering things i'm talking about you know i'm not even sure what these people do for a living to be honest with you i don't know what uh, the tech world involves i mean sitting in front of a I, I i'm you know what i probably shouldn't even guess but i would assume it's you know the engineers the software engineers who maybe write code or um you know deal with deal with customers i don't understand how one day you can say i need you know a hundred thousand employees and the day after that you can say you know what i think i'm going to cut 20 percent of that workforce and i only need eighty thousand now where does the work go well i think what we saw with twitter was 
people were fired if they were not willing to work 20 hours a day and sleep in a cot in the office. So it wasn't even about talent or quality or what program or project or product you were working on. It was how hard are you willing to work? How much of your life are you willing to give up in order to stay here? Um, and it's got to be difficult because I would imagine that jobs like programming and software and you know computer engineering, it's got to be really hard to quantify talent. I think that's right. And, and also, you know, are you, let me ask you this, if you're, and I don't know the answer to this, but if you're writing code and you're writing things that make um, the company more efficient, for example, you know, in some ways, are you writing yourself out of a job? Like if I'm writing a code that says, instead of having a call center with 50 people, I can have a call center with two people. Am I literally like writing the code that's going to take us all out of work? I think that there's definitely an argument to be made uh, for that. You know, it, it, and it goes back to what um, back when Andrew Yang was running for president and right. he was talking about the universal basic income. And he said, if trucks uh, become self-driving, you're yeah. going to put several hundred thousand truck drivers out of work. Right. What happens to them? And these trucking companies that realize an enormous profit, do they just get to keep all that money and these workers have to, you know, learn to code or retrain for something else and his argument was that a universal basic income especially for industries where people are wiped out like that by yeah. you know there should be some sort of a tax for companies that realize enormous profit because of automation or things like that to or, pay, or offshoring right right to pay for retraining at the very least of uh, of some of these workers that are affected but here i mean you can retrain somebody but you know if you've been a truck driver your entire life what are you going to be retrained to do you know well, and I mean, studies show to the point of, of this, uh, of what you had just said, there have been numerous studies that show that when people are laid off and people lose their jobs, things that happen to them are um, substance abuse, sure. depression yeah. that lead to violence. I read a report this week where they broke down um, the circumstances of adult mass shooting um, perpetrators, wow. and they found that it was something like 30% of them had had a catastrophic financial incident within the previous like 12 or 18 months. Oh. So. There's something to be said for um, not leaving people high and dry. And I, you know, and, and once again, if, if every, everything is always about chasing the almighty dollar, right. and, you know, you make a great point. If, if there are self-driving trucks and you no longer have truck drivers, who's keeping the money? Well, if it's the owner of the trucking company, what's he, you know, what's he doing with all that money? And should he be required to, you know, give some of that money back? to the people that built his company, right, right and take care of society, because th this is a, a completely downward spiral. Right. And, you know, hopefully somebody will listen and and, and pass a law in, in this regard. We uh, we have to take a break, but uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a couple of other interesting things. Um, Social Security, I want to talk about one particular um, gaming company, and then for the very first time ever, we will have a giveaway. Right oh, here. yeah. An actual giveaway right here on the Workers' Mic, 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher with the International Union of Operating Engineers. I'm Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. And thanks for sticking around with us. Um, we have another great segment. Uh, Ken, I think you were talking a little bit before about tech workers, and there was some interesting news you were telling me about video games. Yeah, so, so we, we had talked about this a, a few weeks ago, that mm. Microsoft, which owns uh, Activision. Activision, I believe is what it's called, and they, um, they voluntarily recognized several of their gaming 
component workers unions and they're currently negotiating their first contracts and i thought that was pretty cool yeah you know here's a giant tech company that decides not to bring in union busters and not to bust the union and not to convince these workers not to join they said hey if you want to join join and now they're going towards their first contract so i think the gaming industry is uh is a place where people are starting to organize and these are tech workers that i think kind of got it and realized wait a second you know, we're making these companies money hand over fist. Video games are extremely popular, right? Right. Um, and, and so they organized. But one of the companies that was, uh, I think it's under the auspices of, of Microsoft as well, um, is called Proletariat. Okay, that's kind of that's a fitting company name for Proletariat, this right? So the workers of the Proletariat company... Um, formed a union. And to, to clarify, this is sort of a, uh, it harkens back to Karl Marx, who classified the two classes as the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Proletariats are workers, bourgeoisie are sort of the ruling class. That's exactly right. The proletariat are the people that actually do the work, and the bourgeoisie own the capital, right? They right. don't make anything. They simply own the means of production, and you know, for all intents and purposes, they they own the workers, so, or, or so, at least they did. So, so a video game company called Proletariat, it would make sense that they would organize, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, did they give them voluntary recognition like the rest of Microsoft? No. They made them go to an election. Uh-huh. So these guys signed cards, said, hey, we want to join the union. And Proletariat said, well, everybody deserves a free and fair election, and therefore you have to go to an election. Mm-hmm. And, of course, what do they do between the time that Don't they have the election me. and the time that the vote happens? No, they didn't. They union bust. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Proletariat. Hired union busters. <laughs> I don't know. If they, I don't even think they hired union busters. They just had the company owner come and tell these workers why they shouldn't join a union. So here's the head when of they Proletariat. Named, yeah, when they named this company, did they just look for a cool-sounding name? I or think a- that's... Well, look, it's like that collective coffee it's, yeah it's in the name for christ's sakes it's, it's like if i own unioncompany.com and i decided to union bust and yeah. it just seems to just anyway like so trolling in real life so what happened here was the communication workers of america which is the one that was organizing that particular union uh, i think they lost support and they never actually went to the election itself so you know how we were talking about over the past couple of weeks where you go to an election you win but only 30 percent of them result in first contracts mm-hmm. there's another stat out there and i don't know what that stat is but i'm going to look it up as to how many petitions are filed and then actually withdrawn because during the time between the time of the election and um you know the, the time they filed companies are union busting right right so people are losing they support, back out. they lose interest some people get fired people get scared so I, i'd like to see the statistic on on that as well and i think it, that's a, a reason that a lot of effective organizing when you're going out and collecting cards from workers uh before filing to have an election um, you you need fifty percent plus one of all the workers in the election to vote for a union for it to be certified. Yes, but when you're collecting cards, you don't call for an election when you get fifty percent plus one. You need to get eighty, ninety percent because inevitably there all will day, be people day. that drop off. That's right. Yeah, when I organized for a living, obviously we would not go in unless we had eighty plus percent of the cards. And you know, if you're dealing with a group of hundred plus. 200 whatever the amount is it's it's okay to lose a couple of folks but if you're dealing with a group of 10 or 20 employees that two or three four or five guys are going to make a difference for sure right? and and if you're bargaining for a contract and you're asking for things and taking a hard position and the employer knows that half of the workers are not behind you 
they just divide and conquer. But if they know that nine out of 10 workers are all for this, they know that they have to actually sit down at the table and negotiate. I always used to say that I would rather lose the election by one than win it by one because getting a, a contract was an absolute nightmare because exactly what you said, the employer would say, you know, I make a proposal across the table and say, why should we agree to this? Half your, half the people don't want it. That's a good point. Yeah. So anyway, that, that, that wasn't great. Um, we are going to switch topics now. And I want to talk about something that you brought up, Ed, and that is, you know, Social Security. Oh, absolutely. And and what's going on with Social Security. And, and for those of you, obviously, that I mean, everybody knows what Social Security is. It's your benefit when you retire, right? right? It pays you for the rest of your life based on the amount of hours that you've worked and how much money you put into it. It is not an entitlement. It is something that you earned, period, the end. I'm tired of people calling these entitlement programs. Right. We're not entitled to anything. We earn that money. We literally paid into Social Security our entire lives. We paid into Medicare our entire lives. Look at your paychecks. You'll see a deduction for Social Security and Medicare, period, the end. That's it. So they're not entitled. You earned it. And what, are, what what's going on right now with Social Security? So as we saw a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a really contentious fight for the House speakership in Washington. Yes. And the Republicans are in power in the House, and there's a big you know power struggle among that party. Um, also, we hit the debt ceiling last week. So um, there are going to be some huge negotiations to try to get that debt ceiling raised so that we can keep the economy going and not default. So defaulting on the economy, as we all know, would be catastrophic. So it's a pretty good leverage point. I mean, anybody who would use it uh, doesn't have the best interests of the United States in mind, I don't think. But um, but what they're doing is they're saying that they have come out over the past week, and there are sources that were reported in the Washington Post and the New York Times as saying that Republican lawmakers are planning to use Social Security and Medicare as a bargaining chip in this debt ceiling fight. And what they want to do, um, according to some sources, is push back uh, Social Security age from, I think it's 67 right now, and they would push it back to 70, and then they would reduce funding for Medicare. So doctors who see Medicare patients wouldn't get f- paid you know, the, the full amount, and they haven't been paid the full amount. I, get the, I think they get paid 30%. Um, of, of whatever it is, and that would go down even further. So what does it mean for retired people that are on Medicare? More doctors are going to say, I'm not, not seeing Medicare patients any longer. So why is this happening? Once again, I'd like to go back, and this is sort of a, a cycle that happens whenever party shifts take place in the executive branch, and that is um, in 2016 uh, or 2017 when uh, Donald Trump took office, he passed a tax cut package, yeah. right? And that, yeah. that, that tax package... Uh, was scheduled to cost the economy or reduce revenue in the economy to the tunes of trillions of dollars over the next 10 years. And where'd that money go? Uh, The money mainly, it was the largest shift of wealth in the history of humankind because (laughs) workers were told, you know, your tax refunds are going to go up. You're, you know, we're going to raise the the minimum deduction, things like that. And so most people were like, hey, cool tax cut. That sounds great. But what actually happened was, the wealthy and corporations took back so much money, bought back so much of their stock, but this hole that it left in the economy left the opportunity for people to come around, say, right now and say, oh, we don't have enough money for Social Security and we can't afford this. It's unsustainable. It's unsustainable because all that money was given away. So, folks, when when tax cuts happen, and this was under George W. Bush, he did two rounds of it. It was under the the Trump tax cuts. When your taxes go down, 
a percent. Right. That's not good news if you're going to have to work another three years to get Social Security or if you're not going to be able to see good doctors on Medicare. The cost of that tax cut, which I don't know people uh, my age who saw you know, a big jump in their tax refunds or anything like that. It didn't, it didn't create any sort of real benefit for the majority of middle class working people. Um, but what it does do is open the door for people to, to, to wipe out Social Security and Medicare. And Why are they so intent on, on wiping these, you know, what they continue to call entitlement programs out? Why? I don't understand. What's the what good does that do? You know, I, I don't know um, what specific legitimate reason some someone could have. But there is a power struggle right now within the Republican Party where. Um, there are people who want to reform these programs to save them and make them sustainable. Right. And then there are people who want to destroy them. They want to change the regulations in order to run these programs into the ground, privatize Social Security into investment accounts that are subject to you know, fees from uh, you know, your various brokers sure. and stuff like that. Because yeah. those folks make a ton of money. And that's why pensions are always talked about being shifted over to 401ks. because. Right. The investment managers that would oversee those 401ks would make a tremendous amount of money off these multi-billion dollar pension yeah, funds. Imagine so it's though, all like about you're, the you're, almighty you're, dollar. You're working now, and, and yeah, it's always about the almighty dollar. You're working now, and now all of a sudden that you have to, you know, the, they continue to move the goalpost and go, okay, it was 67, now you're going to have to work till you're 70. Right. I mean, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the average age of death in the building trades in our area is about 78 years old. So if you're working until you're 70 years old, you yeah. literally have eight years left of your life after having worked your entire life. And those eight years, I hate to say it, but they might not be the best of your eight years because right. you're probably, you know, sick or decrepit or your hip hurts or whatever, you know. So why not take the opposite direction? It's like, hey, let's lower the age of retirement so people can actually enjoy some of their golden years. You right. know? But, but what's what's happening here is they're saying, we want you to work longer, we right. want you to have worse health care, and we want you to have less money when you retire. And if you won't agree to that, then we're going to tank the economy by pushing it into a default, which if you have retirement savings, the stock market takes a giant dump when uh, sure. when you, uh, you, know, money you default. It's something that's unprecedented, and it would be catastrophic. The threat to the the threat to the, the economy is this gamesmanship and not the deficit at right. this point. So um, if you're hearing this and it's pissing you off, it should be. And what do you do about it? Call your congressman. Um, <laughs> so that's you know, for sure. Get, get out and vote. Yeah, honestly, that's that's about all you can do in a situation like this. Just uh, hope for the best, everybody, because this is outrageous. We've got to take a quick break. Yeah, when we come back, we're going to talk about weed. And we have a giveaway, but oh, it's yeah. not weed. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll be right back with you. Stay tuned right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back to The Worker's Mic, everyone, right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. He's, I'm Ed. What's up, Ed? What's happening, Ken? So we said we we're going to talk about uh, cannabis workers, and we are. Um, in Illinois and many states throughout the country, it seems that weed has become legal. Yeah, and wacky tobacco is making a comeback. Yeah, can you believe that? Um, so, have you caught your parents smoking weed yet, Ken? Because this is something I keep hearing from people I know. They they catch their parents smoking pot or eating edibles, and it's like this whole really special moment of like coming full circle. Yeah. Um, no, I I have not. Have you? No, no, absolutely not. I'm no. What about you guys? 
Yes. <laughs> Part of our video crew is saying yes. We're not going to say who. You can guess. <laughs> Surf and safari. So anyway, but, you know, you think it's like, oh, it's funny, you know, weed, weed workers, whatever. Right. But I started to actually read about it. And guess what? It's not an easy job. It's not like you're no. growing weed in your living room and, you know, or ditch weed or in your backyard. It's actually math and science and physics and chemistry and boilers and heaters and HVAC and electricity. I mean, there are, there are now programs, I guess, that you can take to learn about, you know, I think they call cultivation, but is I think it's no different than if you were a cultivator of you know uh, a plant or something else. Mm-hmm. It's it's a legit job. So here in Illinois, there are three unions that I know of anyway that are going after the weed workers, and that is um, SEIU, I think local one, uh, UFCW local eight eighty one, and Operating Engineers local three ninety nine. They have a web page if you want to go to it, um, IllinoisCannabis dot com, and you can read about it. Some of the uh, marijuana workers have already gotten contracts. Yeah, I, I remember hearing some groups. I couldn't remember if it was in Illinois, but uh, forming unions. And as you said, I mean, think about it. The facilities where they do this, the amount of electricity that you're using for sure. the lights, for the watering systems, whatever, um, you know, being able to do that efficiently makes your company more efficient and, and profitable. And then... I mean, cannabis is sold based on, you know, percentage of what's in it and, you know, potency, as we know, is always a a very important thing for for cannabis users. So being able to have folks who know how to grow this and how to do this properly to, you know, result in a predictable product. Um, it's not. This is not a job for for dummies. This is a very very sophisticated yeah, industry. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and there's no question about it. And I read something that one of the workers said, and they said, "Look, we're tired of being treated as if this is an entry level part time job that I should do for a little bit and then go get a real job." Right. She, she said. You know, I think that this is a real job and mm-hmm. it's something that I want to devote my career to. And why not? I mean, it's like any other kind of botany, if you will. But it also has a lot to do with, like I said, math, science. You know, you're running the boilers and heaters and HVAC. And, you know, it's almost... And these companies are extremely profitable. Holy I mean, moly, yeah, are they You want profitable. to talk about the most profitable botany that I can think of. <laughs> Everybody, look, look, the world has been waiting for this for a really, really right. long time. The amount of people that are doing it, the amount of tax dollars that it's bringing in, these workers have to be treated as a part of um you know a part of the solution that they are actually delivering to to local budgets i really picked a bad time to stop smoking pot i haven't smoked pot in a really long time i believe you i really believe that (laughs) (laughs) and speaking of weed we have a giveaway but it's not it's got nothing to do with weed okay but we have our first giveaway and and here's what it is it is a 100 hundred dollar gift certificate to bass pro shops Oh, I see everybody wearing the hats. That's a pretty a pretty popular it. thing. Yeah, people love it. I think you can use it at Cabela's as well. I think, I think that's right. I think they're owned at the same. And they have a motto. It's like bass, grass, or ass, nobody rides for free. Isn't that their <laughs> motto? <laughs> yeah, if you're hitchhiking, make sure you have a bass handy. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's going to be how we're going to do this. Um, find us on Facebook. Um, find us on uh, YouTube. Find us on Instagram, right? All you have to do is just Google the Workers Mike Instagram or the Workers Mike Facebook or the Workers Mike YouTube or whatever it is, and drop a comment on there. Not that it doesn't have to be about unions, but drop a comment on there as to what the best way is to advance workers' rights or some cool ideas as to how to advance workers' rights. And we'll take some of those and we'll talk about them on the air, and then we'll pick one and I will send you a hundred dollar gift certificate for Bass Pro Shops, but with one caveat. 
You think I have a caveat for this? There's always a caveat. Here's the caveat. You have to walk into the Bass Pro Shop and scream, where's the American-made products? You don't have to scream that, but you have to guarantee. Ask someone. Give it a try. Well, you have to guarantee me that you're going to use this to buy products that are made right here in America. And guess what? Bass Pro Shops carries a ton of them. There's tons of fishing and sporting equipment that are made right here in the United States. As a matter of fact, if you go on the MCL website and and get into our uh, discount program, we started to launch, and it's soft right now, but we're going to launch um, pages devoted to union-made products and American-made products. They're getting harder and harder to find. I, you know, I think so, but I also think that you're starting to see a little bit of a resurgence now, Ed, where some clothing manufacturers are now bringing those jobs back and making things right here in America. There's a, a company called American Made Clothing. Uh, there's American Rootswear, which is, a, I think, based out of Maine. And they're made union, right? Isn't there Stars and Stripes right here in Chicago? Yeah, Stars and Stripes is down in uh, Bridgeview, and they um, yeah. they have a manufacturing facility. They stitch and sew their own clothing. And, and, and kudos to them. I mean, and, and you know, Stars and Stripes, if you're listening, we're still waiting on your uh, sweatshirts and, uh, you know, your sponsorship. I heard they're really soft. <laughs> <laughs> and well-made. Absolutely. Um, but go, you know, tell us what you think that you can do, or what we can do, or what anybody can do to advance the, the rights of workers and to, to move this ball forward you know we talked about this is the year of the worker and that we want to do better and come up with something and we will so uh, we're going to put a post on our facebook page and our instagram page right now so as you're listening to this once you get done listening go on facebook or instagram or our youtube page sure and look up the workers mic um and just leave a comment on what you think is a good way to advance things for workers in 2023 and we'll select a winner um you know do it by End of day Thursday. That sounds good. End of day Thursday. And when we select the winner... Um, we'll announce it on the show. And we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll announce it if you want. We can announce your name. We can... Um, share the idea. Share the idea, and I will uh, message you and get your address, and I will send you this gift card. And uh, if I hope it works. The yeah. Gift, the gift card is. The gift card? Yeah. You, did you already... You know those can only be used once, right, Ken? You haven't used that already, did you? Oh. Yeah. Every time you get a gift card, I've got to explain this to you. <laughs> Not newfangled. I don't even cards. know where there is a Bass Pro Shop. Yeah, there's. Uh, it's. Uh, I think there's one in Bolingbrook, but I'm not, I'm not look sure. it up. If you yeah. want a hundred bucks, yeah. look it up. Go get it. All um, right. Anything else, or we're good? No, that's uh, that's it. That's all we've got for you this week. Um, Want to thank everybody as always for uh, tuning in. And if there's any part of the show that you missed, you can catch it coming up in a few minutes on our YouTube page. The YouTube feed will be live at nine o'clock. And just go on YouTube and, again, look up The Worker's Mic, and that's Mike, M-I-C. And you'll find us, and uh, you might even get some uh, some things from the cutting room floor. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's the good stuff. Right on. We will see you next week. Uh, you've been listening to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGN radio.com.